Hello, you're listening to the Inclusive Innovators podcast, a brand new series recorded entirely in lockdown. This series is part of the East London Inclusive Enterprise Zone, aka Elise, powered by UCL. Elise is an accessible, specially designed community for entrepreneurs who are disabled or whose work focuses on accessibility. This series is packed full of change makers, innovators, and partners, all of them connected to Elise. Built on the Paralympic legacy, we're working with several partners, including Disability Rights UK, Plexor, and the Global Disability Innovation Hub to pioneer the development of products and services in and around the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. Each episode, you'll hear from our host, Matt Pieri. Matt founded Sociability, an app which helps disabled people find accessible spaces such as cafes and bars. This app is now available to download. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Inclusive Innovators podcast. And this week, our 11th episode, I chat with John Kelly about his musical career and his collaboration with Drake Music. We also chat about the importance of owning your disability and about how disability is often at the forefront of the creative arts and theatre. I hope you enjoy this conversation and look forward to another one next week. John Kelly, thank you so much for joining on the uh, Inclusive Innovators podcast today. It's, it's, we're really excited to have a conversation. Hi, really glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Uh, John, would, we might just kick things off by um, asking you to briefly introduce yourself uh, and what you're currently up to, to uh, the listeners, if that's all right. Cool, yeah. Well, uh, my name's John Kelly. I am a professional musician. Um, I've um, always been in or around the music uh performance area i've always gigged and played ever since i was a little lad learning to play the guitar and that kind of stuff badly um so music's always been my life my my background was in youth work i started off as a youth worker and i used music as a as a real useful tool to engage with young people uh, i'm a disabled person i identify as a disabled person um and I suppose I became a little bit more political in my understanding of disability in probably just after my teenage years, so probably my early 20s, when the Disability Discrimination Act was being debated. And uh, I'd heard that disabled people were protesting against it, um, and I couldn't quite understand why. And it turns out that the reason disabled people were protesting against the Disability Discrimination Act was because it was so wishy-washy and it wasn't really advocating our full civil rights as they were campaigning for. And I thought, actually, that's really bad. If we've got a rubbish bit of legislation that doesn't really protect our rights, uh, that's something to, 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 to... battle against so um that kind of awakened me into the sort of disability world if you like i in youth work i'd always been about inclusion so back in i mean it, it, people think inclusion is quite a new thing but actually in my life i've been talking about it for the last sort of 30 years 40 years so inclusive youth work was always something that i believed in i mean in the 70s it was called integration you know um 
And I kind of knew that wasn't quite what we were after. We were kind of after something a bit more than just, you know, fitting in. So that, that's kind of my pot, potted history of my, my background. But essentially, I'm a musician, a touring, working, performing artist. Um, I Last nine or ten years, I've done a, at least one UK tour a year. Um, I've done some really lovely big high profile gigs, but you know, more often than not, I play in small little pubs and clubs and try and keep the audience happy. So, um, yeah, I've got a real mix really. And right now I'm kind of locked in, um, very happy not to be going out, um, but kind of trying to make sense of it all. Um, and how I can keep my music going, uh, online. Um, I really miss audiences, obviously you miss performing. Um, so yeah. And, and the whole kind of experience of inaccessibility online is something that I've been sort of thinking about an awful lot, um, with, with Drake music who, uh, I'm here sort of being, uh, party of today in the talk with you. Um, cause that's where my innovation came about, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's my little background, really. Awesome. I mean, thanks, John. That's that's super. There's plenty to unpack there, um, and look forward to diving into that. Yeah. Uh, and um, we often ask everybody what their innovation inspiration is to sort of see how they got into into the, the space that they're in, which you gave us a really nice insight into. And we can um, I'll ask specifically about the Drake music and the Kelly Caster in a little bit of in a second. But um, I was just wondering for those um, who who you know can't see or, or don't. Uh, know of you could you just give us a bit of a insight into what your disability is just for the audience and then that'll um i guess flow into the kelly caster as well yeah well i, I always didn't when people ask me what my disability is i i i kind of i believe in the social model of disability so i've i've got an impairment and my impairment is like part of my makeup part of my fabric um uh, but when people ask me what my disability is, I always say that my, my disability is uh, about imposed barriers, the barriers that stop me reaching my full potential. Um, so so they are things like inaccessible buildings and my disability uh, manifests in inaccessible environments. Um, and more often than not, it's not environments, but it's people's attitudes, um, assumptions that just because my arms look a, a different way or, or I'm a full time wheelchair user, um, that I'm not going to be able to somehow do something. So people's attitudes play a massive part in what makes up disability in my experience. So I've got a lived experience of disability, which is getting out there and living life. Um, and experiencing all these barriers that that prevent me from either um, feeling as an equal to others um, or somehow kind of excluded from what's going on. Um, so I kind of answer that's what my disability is. I don't talk about my 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 medical condition too much just because I just think that's part of my my makeup and part of my experience it's shaped it's certainly shaped um how i write stuff and it's shaped how i play my guitar and it's given me a i i i guess i've i've generated my own authentic kind of sound if you like and there's no doubt that my impairment 
you know, I've learned to play the guitar in a certain way. I suppose I look back on loads of old guitar players or old uh, musicians. There were a lot of disabled musicians. It's just we'd never celebrate and talk about them. So I didn't know about them until I started digging around. But, you know, like, so, I mean, I learned about blues guitaring and, 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 and open chords. And that's what got me going on guitar. I thought, I can't do the handshapes because of the way my, my, my hands are but I know that I can press down hard enough and I know I can do all this kind of stuff. There must be a way that I can just do stuff with it. And I found out about open cording on blues and bottlenecks and slides and like, that. and then I found out Django Reinhardt is a massive jazz guitarist, you know, uh, you know, adapted a style cause he had an impairment with his hand. And I thought, okay, so there, you know, it's not that disabled people can't play music. It's just that nobody celebrates their, contribution as disabled people it's always kind of hidden and one of my big hero one of my big heroes who i who was fortunate enough to do the musical of was ian jury um and again was someone who never really um outwardly identified as a disabled person and people didn't realize that he was a disabled person so yeah well uh, yeah so in, in a sense my my identity as a disabled artist is I've become a little bit more louder about it, I guess, but it, it does, it, yeah, it, it's part of me, if that makes sense. I think the social model, you know, is definitely something we've spoken about on the show before and giving people a greater yeah. sense that, you know, it is, it's the world we build around us that, that uh, you know, creates barriers. It, we didn't, you know, inherit this, this, this place. <laughs> we designed it, we maintained yeah. it, and, and we can choose to yeah. change it. So I think that's really important. Um, but I think that's a nice segue to jump into a bit more of a conversation about the Kelly Caster. So, you know, you mentioned um, you're a wheelchair user and, and you're, you have an impairment uh, in your hands. And I guess that's impacted the way, you know, conventional guitar design, um, uh, how, you know, accessible it was to you. So can you give us a little bit of an insight into, I guess, yeah, what the Kelly Caster is and, and how you, you, you know, what the inspiration was to, to redesign the guitar to be a more accessible uh, instrument? Yeah. Uh, well... It, it started off um, as a little boy, as as we all do, rocking out in our bedrooms. <laughs> uh, so the original Kelly Caster was either a tennis racket or a snooker cue. <laughs> and I kind of knew I could rock out with a tennis racket and I knew I could rock out with a snooker cue. Listening, and I was a punk and in and metal and all that sort of stuff when I was a kid. Um, and, and so the attitude was much more important than the quality of the playing of the instrument the kind of attitude behind it was what happened so but i kind of learned that you know you could you could you didn't need to play with six strings you could play with three strings um but actually you know i still wanted to play with six strings so as i said to you earlier on I, I learned about blues open chord tuning and then i learned you could play three chords by doing that and i so um as I started writing more and more songs and I started playing more, I just realized it was a bit limited. Um, and I wanted to do all these other songs and all these other things. So that was right. So I knew right from an early age, I really liked playing guitar. My, my family were Irish and, and music is really, really important to our culture. Um, as an Irish person, we all have a song about ourselves and the, 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 the town that we come from. Um, and, and, and in Ireland, we're blessed with some brilliant, brilliant musicians. And I, and I, you know, 
I love the Pogues, I love the Saw Doctors, I love Christy Moore. And of course, a lot of those musicians, you know, play acoustic instruments and sit in the corner of a pub and play that. And I wanted to be able to take the songs I wrote and, and, and just play along on an acoustic guitar, and, you know, without having to be on a massive stage. So the moving about six years ago, seven years ago, um, I, I've been working with Drake Music for quite a long time, who um, are innovators around uh, music, the use of music technology. Um, we'll talk about that maybe later, but you know, around particularly around inclusion and music, particularly around education and the education sector, and 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 the view that everyone should have access to be able to make music. Um, so they do a lot of work in schools. But one of the interesting areas of development um, was around this kind of idea of um, the, the sort of hacking community, um, where, where you take something that, that, that does something, but it doesn't quite do what you want it to do. And you, you sort of break it apart and, and, and rebuild it to fit your, what you want it to do. Um, it's not the naughty kind of hacking. I don't want to get mixed up with the computer hackers who, who do naughty, naughty things. I was about to say, it, I think it, um, it, the, the kind of common understanding of hackers these days is very much, you know, online and techy. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah. it comes from this idea yeah. of, you know, making things work. Like you yeah. said, that, that perhaps yeah. didn't originally. Sure. And this, these are the good hackers. These are hacking for good. Um, and, and, and so we had this... We, it, we just started because there were like these little things like Arduinos that are like these like mini computers um, that you could get a sound out of and, and you could write your own little programs. And there are, you know, there's a whole community of people who are instrument developers, who people making their own stuff, really. Um, and there's a whole kind of rich movement of that. Um, and we thought at Drake Music, quite often, a lot of music technology, um, well, there's loads of gaps for a start. There's, there's a lot of music technology out there that isn't accessible. And that's just, in my book, criminal. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, all music technology needs to take on board access in its design. Um, so there was that bit of it. Um, then there was disabled artists and musicians who our performers who are working like me, who really needed something a bit more robust that wasn't a toy. It wasn't, um, it was an instrument that, that did a professional job that I could use while I'm performing. Um, and then the sort of third element is people who just want to experiment and have a bit of fun and, and just, you know, enjoy playing music. And of course with things like the iPhone and all the other phones that are around now, you can make music, you know, it's well known that, you know, a lot of music these days is made in the bedroom. You know, it's, 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 um, so music is so much more accessible in many ways, but yet in terms of the context of accessibility that we talk about, it's still lagging. It's still way behind. It's still way down the list of priorities for developers. So the hack Drake music kind of start, well, let's start making, addressing some of the access issues around some of the instruments that we use or we know about or what the gaps are. So we set this thing up and it's now, we now call it DM lab. Um, and, and we meet fairly regularly. We've met during the lockdown. We've 
we've moved it online and um, so we still do it and and of course from my point of view i believe in disabled people led stuff i my roots are in disability led art my that whole kind of political stuff for me was all about actually the representation of disabled people in leadership is critical is really really important because that's what really drives the change in terms of inclusion and i think it's an important visibility thing as well to see that there are disabled Absolutely. people who who aren't just being told what to do or given things to you know to to have their lives changed or improved but actually driving that change themselves and i think it's really important in terms of role models for you know younger disabled people who have ideas and who want to sort of see change made to see then like a you know a cohort of of disabled people who've done that and actually kind of built things yeah. Um, from the ground up yeah. which is exciting and there's lots of context and there's lots of thoughts but the essential one is is that um there's an assumption that disabled people are just recipients of the technology or you know it's been developed by some scientist in a lab somewhere and then it, you know things are uh, I, the, the easiest way to describe it is is that things get done to us and done for us um, and actually, um, we need to break that model. And I believe in collaboration. Um, I haven't got all the technology background. I haven't got the skills that some hackers have around program development and writing. But I've learned it through collaborating. And they equally have learned about the social model and the whole power thing being done to and how equality really needs to address those fundamental issues in order that we can truly collaborate so with dm lab we saw an opportunity to ensure that 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 idea of disabled and non-disabled people working together on equal terms rather than it being clever experts doing things to disabled people. So we found, we found disabled people with loads of skills and, uh, and non-disabled people with loads of skills and we put them together and amazing creative things come out, innovative piece of work. And the Keddy Caster was my contribution to that early conversation. It was like, I really want to play guitar. I know that, you know, um, there's things like garage band and there's thumb jam. There's all these bits of technology that have got fairly decent sounds, but they never cut it live for me in a, on, on stage. They'd never cut it because I need to concentrate on the audience. I don't want to be concentrating on how to program it and stuff. It needs to be a responsive instrument. So that's where the Kelly caster came from those early DM labs. And there's loads of other ideas like the Kelly caster that have come out of DM Lab. And because that innovation and that creative drive is what pushes us forward, we're still, we're always looking for the next Kelly Caster, the next Mimu glove, the next, uh, you know, the, the next, I, I used to call it the, the rucksack moment. Someone pull out a little gadget out of their rucksack and say, I've been working on this and it makes this sound. And you go, oh, wow, I've always wanted to do that, you know. So that's where the Kelly Caster has started. And for those who don't know, can you just maybe describe the Kelly Caster for someone who's never seen it? Like, what is the difference between the Kelly Caster and a, and a you know, conventional guitar? Put it that way. Okay. 
it's a guitar um and it's a beautiful guitar um the catchphrase when we were looking for the marketing tagline i'm not very good at marketing the the tagline was it's a thing of beauty uh, and it's a beautiful piece of wood um the guitar it's it's just a bit of maple body um so it looks like a traditional guitar pretty much it's a guitar shape with a neck and a body and real strings um but it hasn't got a fretboard and even for some some guitarists that's not unusual there you can get fretless guitar boards um but the technology really happens under the body so it's got like a little um pickup that takes the signal from the strings and uh reads the measurement of each string um and all of that goes through the pickup and comes out into, um, it gets a bit technical at this point, but essentially uh, there's a, a little black box that I plug into, which is a Bella platform, which is a particular audio um, mini computer, if you like. Uh, in, um, and and um, so it takes lots and lots of readings about how hard I hit the string, how fast I hit it. Um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And then it turns it into script. Um, and, 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 and the, the computer is then, we, we, all that data is put into like a little patch. Um, and, and some people will be familiar with the idea of plugins. So if you use music software, like um, Logic or Ableton, you can get plugins and, and plugins do like different kinds of effects or get, get the sound to do a certain behavior. So I've got a bespoke plugin, um, which takes each string and then I'll assign what note each string will be. And then that creates my chord. Yeah. So um, and people often say, oh, it's MIDI then. It's a MIDI controller. It's not a MIDI controller. It's, um, it's the, 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 the script is now in Java. Um, and it goes into this plugin. Um, and I don't know, let's just say me and you, we want to do Stand By Me. And Stand By Me are the chords of G, E minor, C and D. So I will just quite quickly, I can do it very, very quickly, um, put in the software that I want this to be the G chord, this to be the C and so on. And then I strum and play like an ordinary guitar, but where I do the handshape with my, obviously I, I, I that would be difficult for me. That's where it's, that's what makes the Kelly caster really special is I, sorry about that. I don't know why this is happening. Cold calls. I've got a blast from the past with a, a bit of a landline connection <laughs> so yeah it's an amazing invention and it looks really good for those who you know who can check it out online like you said it's a beautiful piece uh, of, of kit um and yeah i mean like i think it's it's awesome as you mentioned like a, a pretty you know intricate sort of setup of software and hardware there but um you know i guess to summarize it's it's a it's turn you know a guitar and the instrument into a more accessible um yeah. you know format and particularly you know if you you, if you have sort of a different hand functional or dexterity, it still allows you to get that yeah. same um, sound out and that experience. And I think, you know, yeah. hopefully it's, yeah. it's a nice like um, benchmark that other instrument designs can, you know, start to adapt themselves to be more 
uh, flexible in terms of how they, you know, they interact yeah, with people. Yeah. And the, the beauty of it is that, I mean, I, I, I designed it with an inkling that it, it would, if it was good for me, it might, might be useful for other people to, to try out. And certainly the kind of the chord, the way I do the chords and that kind of stuff um, works not just for guitar, you know, any instrument that you need a chord for, it would work ju just as well for that. So I just applied it to the guitar, but, and, and also uh, a few of my mates and a, a few disabled people I've worked with have given it a, a go. And again, it, it, worked, it worked really well for those people who have given it a go. I think um, one of the things we see with inclusive design is that you, might, you design for a particular use case, but actually it's much more broadly applicable. And lots of people who perhaps yeah. didn't think you know, they needed it, get a huge amount of benefit out of it. Have you you've seen that, it yeah. seems, with the Kelly Caster? Yeah, and you kind of like, I mean, I can do a, an amazing range of chords now on the guitar. I can do infinite, basically, because the way I've designed it is you, I can play any note on any string, um, so I can make any chord, any... I mean, when you get into jazz, mate, there's some really weird chords out there. But my, my Kelly, I can do that. If I, if I learn what the chord is, I can pretty quickly create the chord. Um, there's still learning to be done. It's not, it, you can play it quite simply, but, but yeah, I mean, certainly we know the secret, the good inclusive design is good for everyone. You look at a shopping center with an automated door, everyone goes through the automated door because it's easier. You know, we, we already know that secret um, and the world needs, you know, the world needs to catch up. You know, it's just because it's good for us all. It's, it's it, you know, it, it particularly is important for disabled people because it's based on part of our right to have that access. But actually, if it's, if it's, if it's done well, it's good for everyone. Yeah, and I think I think a really important part of what you said earlier around just like the narrative is that a lot of the time we we cut out or it's overlooked or ignored um, the fact that a lot of innovations that we use today were inspired by you know whatever you want to call it essentially disabled people people with different needs and different ways of interacting and those are things that have benefited everybody from the telephone to the touch screen to the automatic door like you said um, I think it's you know one thing I wanted to ask about. Um, next was just around this sense that, you know, um, arts and culture and theatre are really important ways of driving social change. You know, we talk a lot about law and policy, but actually, you know, realistically people behave in certain ways based on what they think and a lot of what people think is informed by what they, you know, digest and, and interact and read and, and watch and consume. So I was wondering if you wanted to give us a bit more of an insight into how you see, you know, the link between social and political change um, and playing out in terms of arts and culture, you know, performance, theatre particularly as well. I know you've written about this before. Yeah. Just from a, a personal perspective first, I guess, like I've always seen music as a really nice tool to make friends, you know, just to reach out and make connections with people and, and, and sharing something together, whether that's us singing along together and having a laugh or sharing the love of a certain band or whatever it is. So music connects people and brings people together. Um, and what I've learned over the years that, that music and the arts are a really good way of us telling our story. Um, as, and we, I've learned from lots of people, some really, really, the, the best songwriters are good storytellers. 
um and 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 i've learned you know i i my my punk background was like i was uh, i was really into scar and a lot of those uh that scar movement was political it was about black and white people coming together against racism and kind of connecting through both elements of sort of british punk and rock and also jamaican reggae uh, and dancehall and that kind of was what connected and made scar scar and that i read that i grew up in that kind of so i knew music could be political and i knew it could be a way of connecting people and then i learned about the disability arts scene and realized that it was brilliant and the only reason i didn't know about it was because it wasn't on the west end stage and it wasn't a wembley stadium and it wasn't it wasn't being promoted as you know it, again, it was one of these things that's like hidden away. But if you do a little bit of digging, you realise that, of course, disability art is as good as any other art. It's not, you know, there's an assumption that it, 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 it's not as good as or it, it won't pull an audience. Well, if it's good, it will. Um, and I believe that and I've seen that. So really, the, the barrier is not that there isn't any good disability art out there because there's loads of it. The, the barrier is it's not been allowed to fulfill its potential in the mainstream. And that's because the mainstream just keeping up all these barriers could be in inaccessible venues. It could be just in a perception of this is what the public like, and they're just not taking enough risks because actually art is about taking risks. Art is about pushing boundaries and disability art, I believe is at the forefront of that. Um, and during lockdown, we've demonstrated that. There's been some really, really good creative responses by disabled artists. Disabled artists are there and they're making really good music. Um, it's just, we don't, always, we don't always identify as disabled people. We don't always see it as, uh, you know, the first thing we say when we go to a gig, we don't always say, hi, I'm a disabled person and a musician. We, we kind of, we, you know, because of history, a lot of people hide it you know, and, and, and don't want to be part of it. Um, I, I don't believe in that. I, I'm proud of who I am and I, I don't deny it. And the audience, there's no point in me hiding it unless I go behind a screen. The audience is going to see that I'm a disabled person. And maybe for a minute, I mean, I've had comments go, I didn't know it was gonna, you were a disabled person before I put the ticket. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and I was anxious or I was nervous or whatever it was but actually as soon as the music started um I, I was all right with it and I and 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 I do this thing on stage which is like the worst reviews I get is when people say I saw the person and not the disability because that for me denies who I am I know that sounded like a double bubble of confusion but actually I don't want you not to see who, that I'm a disabled I'm proud of who I am my body looks different, deal with it, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think also, you know, particularly for music as a form of expression, it's, in, it's necessarily linked to how you see the world and your experiences. And, and I'm sure, you know, whether or not the song is about disability specifically or barriers and things like that, doesn't matter because your, you know, your expression and, and output will be necessarily informed by the fact that you're a person who lives, you know, with a daily experience of disability. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important point 
to, like you said, not actually shy away from a call out. If only, you know, I mean, for a whole bunch of reasons, but if only just to encourage others to think more openly about this. And I think there's often this situation where disabled people are excluded from its spaces, whether it's physically or, you know, or virtually or just culturally. Um, and then for, you know, for design reasons a lot of the time. But then that's justified mm -hmm. by those people who are excluding or being gatekeepers as disabled people don't want to come or they don't have the skills or they're not interested in these things rather than they would come or they'd be here if the you know the, it was more accessible and i think that's an yeah. important point to to really like push that yeah. like you said if you if you build it yeah. they'll come and and they're out there they're just like they're not being seen yeah yeah and there's a whole i mean we all know that there's like a wealth of potential that's untapped um and you know i, I i'm not i'm not you know it, it, there's there's kind of the yeah, the access barriers that we talked about there's the kind of attitudinal stuff which is having to deal with you know stereotypes and having to deal with the assumption that that you know society places a kind of a medical model idea on us that disability is something that we wouldn't want and 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 that kind of stuff and 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 it's something to feel sorry for or whatever. And we've got all that history that we need to kind of challenge while sort of celebrating who we are. And, and, and almost what, what happens is, is that you can't be just a regular person. As you say, you've either got to be one or the other. You've got to be a superhero and, you know, amazingly good at what you do. Or, you know... I think it's it, it's harder to to just be who you want to be, and actually that's the most critical thing. The most critical thing. Uh, the one thing I found in my music uh, is trying to be who I am and be genuine and authentic and real, and not 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 deny, not devalue, value my experience, and 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 make connections and and hopefully the the Kelly casters just like one way in which I've been able to use music to be able to, to do some of that. But actually it, it, it's just about me wanting to make music and engage with people on, on that level. And I think that's an important point of not being defined by, you know, your impairment or your disability, but it's just yeah. another element of, of your personality and your diversity. And, yeah. and sometimes that's more relevant and other times it's completely irrelevant. And I think a lot of the yeah. time the problem is that, you know, people, like you said, they operate in extremes and it's the disabled person who does X rather than just a person who's doing X who happens to also, you know, yeah. move yeah. their hands differently. Yeah. In Drake, we have a lot of interesting conversations about uh, the perception that disability is about ability. And I've always sort of struggled with that one because I don't think that's true. I don't think it is because we all know, we all know that we've all got skills and we all know what, that we can do stuff and there's stuff that we can't do. And I reckon that everyone's like, everyone's like that. Um, the thing that makes us disabled people is the, the, the two big words which people fear, which is discrimination and oppression. That's what makes us disabled people. The kind of weight of being oppressed for so many years, people tell us we can't do stuff. And then discrimination when we experience barriers. And we've had loads and loads of conversations in Drake about how we remove disabling barriers. How do we make it so that uh, disabled kids in school can experience music, that 
teachers and the workforce represents disabled people and how we as artists work together to use music just to say that through technology you can make great great music and so there's all those kind of different levels of what we've just been talking about that that sort of um are sort of fairly big things that are going to take time to move and it's really interesting that now there's this like this concept that we've known about maybe for quite a while but you know i have you know the, the conversation we were just having about not seeing me as a disabled person just seeing me as an artist and me feeling like quite bad about that because it denies who i am you know it's i want us to get to a stage where we 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 value ourselves i think that's the first thing you know we've all got rubbish in our lives and things that we want to change about our lives um and a lot of the time those things are, are what are put on our shoulders by inaccessible experiences and that drains you that drains you if you feel you've got a battle every day so it's really hard to find pride in yourself when you've got all this crap that you've got to deal with but essentially i think it is really important that you believe in yourself and that you value what you do and then you you know you've got a contribution to make we, we all know that you know society is missing out on our contribution because they ref, refuse to make space at the table and i think that's a really important point you know just about that idea that that you can make space at the table i think there's a there's a common perception that like it it's you know things can't be changed or it's too expensive or it's too difficult or it's yeah. too you know uh, challenging yeah. and i think just instilling in everybody that sense that actually that you know if you build the table you can then change who's sitting at it and you can you know make it a different exactly. um, design yeah, we, need, we almost need to smash the table up and you know i when we when, when i do stuff around inclusion with groups and stuff i always talk about you know that we were talking about being about fitting in and and um that kind of idea of um well, inclusion, disabled people coming into our place or coming to our place of work or, you know, fitting into our industry. And actually, that's not what inclusion is. Inclusion has to be, you know, what we both bring. And let's address the power issues. Let's oppress. Uh, let's address the barriers. And then let's collaborate on equal terms. And a lot of that is what DM Lab has been about and certainly what how we developed the Kelly cast. I was really lucky to work with disabled and non-disabled people to help shape the guitar. And it was a collaboration. Um, and we all worked together and we had a lot of conversations about things like the social model, what we were trying to achieve. We didn't want it. It wasn't my Kelly caster. Isn't a model of rehabilitation and therapy for me. <laughs> it isn't, you know, I don't do music for myself for, for, for rehabilitation or whatever. I do it as an art because I love writing music and, you know, there's all that stuff. Um, well, John, it's a good sort of segue into the final part of the conversation, which is to, to sort of forecast a little bit. So we ask everybody about their innovation inspiration, but also about their innovation imagination. So I guess two yeah. questions for you to, to end on. One is if we, you know, forecast 10 years time, where do you mm. see, you know, either Drake, 
you know Drake music specifically, but I guess more broadly the kind of the the disability music and arts sort of scene that you've in now. Where do you see progressing to in ten years? Like what what's the kind of hope that you have there? Well, I think things always change, and we don't know what's we just you know COVID is just kind of proves we don't know what's around the corner, um, and um, so I think that constant realization actually that change always happens um and and you know in my lifetime things have changed for disabled people when i started out protesting and you know on the streets we were protesting about getting on the bus because buses weren't accessible well now they're a, a little bit better they're not brilliant but they're better um yeah getting there slowly so change happens slowly so you know, my, my, my sad news, I guess, about 10 years time is I, I don't think, I don't think there'll be lots and lots of big change. There will be some changes, but most of the change that we kind of want to see will be slow stuff. But what I'm encouraged by is, so working with Drake Music, Drake Music has been on a journey over the last five or six years. We've, we had this piece of work called Think 20, and think 2022 now um which is visioning it's about what's the world you know how we want to see the world and so we we talked about well there aren't many disabled leaders so what would that look like what do we need to do now to ensure that in five years six years time there are more disabled leaders there are more disabled people running music workshops for example and Drake Music listened and really took on board stuff. So if you get an organization that really listens and by listening, it's not a one-way thing. Listening is a, an active thing. Drake became active in listening and saying, what do we need to do around that? What do we need to do to understand the social model in our practice? So they, for me, have demonstrated that change can happen quite quickly. Um, Drake's workforce over the last sort of 10 years has, has changed drastically in terms of representation and that kind of stuff. So I'm excited by that potential because there are other organizations saying we want to go on that journey around inclusion. So there are, there are people who I would love to work with to make this kind of idea of inclusion much more of a reality. And I think that is happening. You know, um, the disability movement is alive and vibrant, but we've got a lot of challenges, you know, uh, you know, the, we've just come out of austerity and I think that's still a big challenge. We're still fighting around things like independent living and the right to be able to get out the door in the morning with the support we need to be able to go to work. So all those things, now, I would like to think that in 10 years' time, we've got legislation that protects our rights around independent living. I'd like to think access to work um, is just a given for disabled people, that you get given a pot of money to help you with your access requirements at work, and then you can get out there and do it. Um, and if you don't feel you're up for work or you can't work, then, um, you know, um, that the money's there to help you reach your potential, whether that's in education or learning or whatever it is. 
So yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think and I think that point just about you know trusting disabled people to make decisions for themselves and to look you know to know how to best like you said reach their potential is a really important one rather than the sort of very um, you know patriarchal patronizing sort of approaches that happen today where you get certain things to do X and if you don't do them you're not trusted to have any you know kind of control or agency um, over your life because somebody's deemed you you know to to be wasting that or, or you know kind of not capable. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed for that um, that vision. Yeah. One final question, John. Um, what would you say to somebody you know who uh, is sort of they want to do something like you know like you did? They want to be able to play an instrument at a particular uh, level, but you know there's there's things not available to them yet. They've got an idea. They they sort of you know want to get started, but not exactly sure how. You know what what would you say to the John Kelly 2.0? Uh, just as you, you know on that precipice, just as you were. Um, you know, so many years ago with Drake Music, what's the one piece of advice you'd give them for their journey ahead? Wow. It's kind of, you just freaked me out by thinking of a John Kelly point 2.0. That's a bit freaky. I don't, <laughs> um, I think it, it's, it, without wanting to repeat what I said earlier on, I guess it's, it's, well, the starting point is believe in yourself um, and, and, and believe in what you feel to be right because it probably is right, you know, if you believe you can do it and you want to do it, you know, you're probably 90% of the way there. I would, the next thing I would say is don't be fearful of talking to people and finding people to have conversations with, you know, whether that's come to Drake, you know, that's my easy answer. If it's about making an instrument, we are really excited and welcome people having ideas and the DM lab is one place you could do that, but you could just drop us an email at, at, at Drake music um, and, 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 and talk about your idea. Um, and then there might, you know, so we've got this thing called the accessible music um, instrument collection, which, which we're developing. So there might be an instrument that already exists um, and we're going to be launching that hopefully in the new year. It's we're developing it at the moment. So that's a place where you could come and try instruments um, that are already accessible, but you might come and you might think, oh, the Kellycaster's all right, but it doesn't quite do what I want. Then it might be through DM Lab that, 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 we, that you have conversations with people, you know, either me or other make, makers who've got ideas about ways around. Um, so nothing um, is uh, impossible you know dreams do come true because that's how equality was realized um by dreaming and imagining and i so i think the next 10 years are exciting we've got a lot of battles to fight but actually if we believe in ourselves and we work together um i would say to 2.0 jk listen learn from others ask lots of questions and, and, and find people who, who want to engage with you, find people who will support you. And like Drake Music is just one organization, but they're a brilliant organization who's done that around music for me. Um, and I'll do it with lots of other disabled artists and people who just want to play for fun. <laughs> and I think that's fine as well. Just sometimes you just want to have a bit of fun. Um, well, thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks so much for those wise words and for sharing a bit more of a story about the oh. Kelly Caster and your journey with Drake Music, and, and particularly also just the view your views on disability and how that interacts with 
you know, perceptions and expectations and, and people's behavior as a result. It was really interesting and I'm sure that um, everybody listening at home will have learned a lot. I know I did. Um, but thanks so much for having uh, taking the time to chat with us. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And yeah, look forward to seeing you gigging um, sometime soon again. Brilliant. And I'm sure there are lots of things that I've got wrong. And I think that's the last bit for me is like, you know, I, I make mistakes all the time and it's being open to making mistakes, I think. Um, so if I've made mistakes today in this interview, I'm sorry. And you can no doubt have conversations on the web or whatever about what I've said. Um, but hopefully uh, I've said something that, that's of interest and use to someone. But thank you for having me. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Next week, we're talking with Liz Johnson, who won three gold medals at the Paralympic Games. Do you want to take part in the Elise program or be part of our community? To find out more, visit www.ucl.ac.uk forward slash enterprise forward slash Elise. Or give us a follow on Twitter at Elise 2020. You can find out more about our virtual and physical workshops on social media, funding, app development, and a masterclass on accessible comms. Captioning will be available for each session. We'd also like to thank our Elise partners, including Barclays Eagle Labs, Capital Enterprise, Disability Rights UK, Global Disability Innovation Hub, Hackney Council, Here East, Greater London Authority, Inclusion London, London Legacy Development Corporation, Loughborough University London, Plexel, London College of Fashion and UCL. This podcast is powered by Sociability.